Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Sean and Thora Dowdell about entrepreneurial leadership and driving meaningful collaborations. And Sean Dowdell, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thank you. for having us. Yeah, I'm thrilled to have the chance to meet with you and to have a nice discussion. Today, we're going to be focusing on entrepreneurial leadership and driving meaningful collaborations and partnerships in business. This is something you both have extensive experience in, and I'm really excited to pick your brain and learn more from both of you. As we get started, I wanted to share Thora and Sean's bios with everybody. Thora Dowdell, formerly in marketing and sales before becoming a business partner with Sean, initially in the music recording industry and later in Club Tattoo. Thora is passionate about empowering women business owners through her story. Together, the husband-wife team have authored the new book, Brand Renegades, Our Fearless Path from Startup to Global Brand. Uh, You can learn more at clubtattoo.com. Sean Dowdell, known as the Tattooed Millionaire, which is also the title of his first book in 2017. Uh, In addition to his role as founder and CEO of Club Tattoo, he is a drummer with Gray Days. He's a frequent speaker to a variety of audiences and has been featured in Entrepreneur, GQ, Billboard, and on CNBC, A&E, and more. Sean, again, is co-author with his wife, Brand Renegades. It is such a pleasure to have both of you. Thank you so much for joining me. Before we launch into the conversation, anything else you would like to share with my listeners by way of your background or personal context? Let's uh, start with your book, um, Brand Renegades, Our Fearless Path from Startup to Global Brand. Uh, Tell me a little bit about the genesis of this. Like, How how did you decide to write this book? Um, Tease a little bit about what it's about, uh, and then we can go from there. So initially, Thor and I were starting to do a lot of public speaking, uh, various events around the world, uh, Europe and the United States, and speaking on business topics that kind of ran the gamut from beginner entrepreneurial, um, you know, ventures all the way into collaborative uh, leadership, uh, women in business, those types of topics. We started dealing um, pretty extensively with a lady named Debbie Allen, who was really kind of mentoring Thora and I in the world of public speaking, trying to hone our public speaking skills. And she, Thora and I sat down one day and said, uh, she asked us why we hadn't written a book together. And after a long pause and some subsequent conversation, we kind of came to the conclusion that it was something we really needed to do, especially after I had had such uh, welcoming and, and support and success from our first, from my first book, Tattooed Millionaire. Um, from that point, Thor and I took um, the conversation seriously. We, we came home, 
we decided on what topics we wanted to write about. We met with a, um, a, a book coach named Arlene Gale and Thora, I and her spent an entire day or two days together, I believe, and did the entire outline of the, of the book. And that's really how it started. Thora, you want to jump in there and, and fill in the gaps of what I missed? I'm sure I missed some. Well, Sean's first book, Tattooed Millionaire, is a little bit of a biopic about our story building our main breadwinning company, Club Tattoo. And of course, me coming into Club Tattoo just a couple of years after it had opened with uh, Sean, I'm very woven into the story. And people were teasing a lot about us being a dynamic power couple and how can we share our triumphs with others to help them throughout their entrepreneurial journey, especially if they're married or in a relationship, a personal relationship. So I think for me, jumping into the whole book writing scene, I was uh, very shocked. Sean had already had that experience. So it was good for us to write together. And we also narrated our own audio version. So that was very enlightening for us as partners. And I feel very rewarded writing this book with Sean, knowing that a female voice is in the marketplace to show that no matter what the industry is, you can be a strong female leader and you can do it with your husband. You can do it alone. You can do it with another group of women, our entire company, all of our upper managers are all women. So I'm very proud of that. And um, so Brand Renegades really kind of gives you a snapshot into our little badassery attitude and also some good entrepreneurial lessons um, that kind of come forth, whereas Tattooed Millionaire, Millionaire book really narrated the, you know, the beginning years of Club Tattoo, whereas Brand Renegades gets to the real meat of the pie of how we really got to where we are through the business lessons. Yeah, well, that's great. And it's always fun to be able to work on projects together. Uh, congratulations on that. And I wish you the, the greatest success with it. Uh, maybe just you partnering together, um, you know, husband, wife combo in business, in authorship. That's uh, it's a tremendous opportunity in many ways, but I'm also sure many, uh, there are many challenges uh, related to that. Um, my wife and I don't like work together in the same business, but we both work in the same organization doing the same kind of stuff. And, uh, and that in and of itself can sometimes be a little challenging. So tell us a little bit about what that's been like to work together uh, as a couple entrepreneurial couple in business. Um, any thoughts on that? Yeah, we have a lot of thoughts on that. Um, you know, that's the next book. (laughs) Initially, uh, it was just myself running the businesses and Thora's career direction started taking different forks in the road, so to speak. And she really didn't, she really didn't have a, a solid direction of where she wanted to go with a career. She had several paths. And during that same time, I had wanted to expand the, the tattoo shop and we started talking about having her join the company. And initially there were a lot of problems because I didn't treat Thora as a fair partner. I treated her more as this was my company and you're stepping into this. And we didn't really have these defined roles that we would develop over the years. I and mean, we had so many failures. I can't even count them. We're excellent business partners. Now we still have um, issues with each other, but now I think 
we've, we've gotten to a point where we know how to deal with each other. We know how to stay in our lane. We know how to delegate and, and take our hands off the wheel when the other's um, skill set is A, called for, and B, that's what they're supposed to be doing. Initially, early on, I think I was stepping all over her in the business because I wanted it my way. And we talk about that in the book quite a bit about if you're going to have a partner, the, the most important thing is becoming a better partner, tr- not trying to, to get a better partner. And through that process of, of trying to be a better partner for your partner, you end up enhancing and, and developing your businesses in, in a way that normally wouldn't happen on your own. You, you get different perspectives uh, from your partner, diff- different uh, viewpoints that you may or may not understand and, and can wrap your mind around problem solving in different ways. So bringing Thor into the company was the best thing for Club Tattoo by far. As far as our partnership, there was a ton of failures uh, and uh, all the way up and for the first 10 to 12 years, I would say it was really difficult. I don't recommend going into business with your with your spouse. I think it is a recipe for divorce first and business failure second. If you can get through that minefield and have and both have a common goal and that common goal wins out over your personal ego, I think you got a shot at making a solid partnership work. And then it can become extremely um, fruitful for, for both partners and the business itself. But navigating that minefield is extremely difficult. Jonathan, I have to second Sean on that first decade. It was really rough. And we look back now and it's shocking to see that we actually survived our marriage. The business, I think now we could say, ah, if our personal relationship didn't work out, we could still remain business partners because the mission of our breadwinning company, Club Tattoo, and just our mission in life generally now is to give back and to serve our business communities, serve our local communities, our human, you know, giving back to the humans in the community and, and serving others. When we first started working together, the internet was just coming on. We had a big brick cell phone. We had pagers. In today's day and age, it might be easier to go into business with a loved one, a a sibling, you know, a romantic partner because of all the tools that are available. You can Google how to be a good business partner now. That did not exist for Sean and I in 1997 when we met and we met each other and 10 days later, we moved in together and a year later we were married and that was 24 years ago. So we have an extraordinary story and we used to state that a lot. We would not recommend working with your spouse, but I think if you define the roles on the front end, which we didn't know we were supposed to do that. We thought we were just going to come together. We were two smart people and we're going to make it happen. Well, like Sean had indicated, a lot of crossing of the wires, a lot of power struggles. A lot of it is that I was a female in a very, very heavily male dominated industry. So that too uh, led to some challenges. I think that not being a service provider in this industry, I am not a tattoo artist. I am not a body piercer. That also led to some challenges for me up and coming uh, in the leadership role in the company. And I think I came in with a very corporate structured handbook. (laughs) These are the rules. These are the regulations. And Sean was like, what's going on? You know, he's a musician. He's a creative 
he's got this tattoo studio with tattoo artists and body piercers that are very colorful and very, you know, artistic. It's a whole different mindset. So I think meshing that was our number one challenge. Then you add personality, then you add a couple kids and having to sleep together every night, even when things weren't going good during the day. And so Sean's right. It was a gauntlet and we still run it every day. Yeah. Well, kudos to you for running the gauntlet and surviving. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I mean, that's, that's really impressive. I, I think even, you know, nowadays, just under the best of circumstances, you know, to, to ha- how long have you been married? 23 years. Yeah. I mean, nowadays, I mean, that's, that's an incredible accomplishment in and of itself, let alone, you know, working closely with your spouse each and every day and, and writing a book together and such. Um, so you're to, to be commended for that. And Thor, you've mentioned a couple times now, uh, the, the element of being, a female executive in the industry, in a male-dominated industry. Um, you know, th- there, there's lots of challenges in terms of gendered um, perceptions and biases and, and gender inequities across industries, you know, all throughout the workforce. Uh, what are some of the things that you've, uh, h- how have you approached that, I guess, is the question. How, how have you been able to uh, find success in a male-dominated uh, arena and garner the the uh, the respect and the attention of colleagues and stake other stakeholders, partners, and such. I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press, Bluer Than Indigo Leadership: The Journey of Becoming a Truly Remarkable Leader. Early in my adult life, I learned about an Asian proverb that translates as bluer than indigo. If you think about the color indigo, it is a brilliant, deep, and vibrant blue. What some would call the bluest of blues. To have something that is bluer than indigo is rare and truly remarkable. Contrary to popular myth, there is no one-size-fits-all or cookie-cutter approach to effective leadership. There's no silver bullet, no secret sauce, no go-to model that will solve all of our problems. The truth is, great leaders have all had their unique strengths and flaws, and have all had to discover and then pave their own distinctive path in their life's journey to fulfill their leadership potential. Bluer Than Indigo Leadership will help you discover your own path and explore those ordinary, everyday actions that will help you respond to an uncertain future and produce extraordinary results for individuals, teams, and organizations. Well, my 25-year-old self was, you know, go girls, girl power. Girls are, you know, underestimated and taken advantage of, and I want to fight everybody. The 49-year-old version of me now says, wait a minute get smart, get calm, and forget about the movement of the woman. Because really, the movement has been going on since the early 1900s, the right to vote. I mean, it goes back decades, right? So don't try to battle a movement. Be where you are. Get your business acumen. Get educated. Self-education is something that I preach a lot. My upbringing was very humble. 
basically generations of women in my small rural community were taught graduate high school find a man that's going to get a good job oh he can work in the coal mine or he can work at the power plant a factory job have a couple of kids build a cute home that was not for me I didn't really identify early on I just knew that something inside of me was itchy and so I think now for females in the business world Sometimes the wires get crossed. And as I just stated, you're fighting a fight for a movement when it shouldn't be about the movement. It should be about inspiring others, helping others, and just support the community. It doesn't take a lot of courage to get on a bullhorn and march with 10,000 people and saying, give us our rights. But it takes a lot of courage to sit in a, in a conference room with what I call the boys club and have to actually interject yourself or speak up and Sean also (laughs) over the years has really witnessed some of the (laughs) sexism and things that occur between the two of us when only questions are directed to him or they try to manipulate a negotiation through kind of calling me and treating me as if I'm an idiot and (laughs) Sean loves it he chuckles and says man they they're calling the wrong person so I think really uh for me as a female knowing now that there's so many tools to be better uh, as a female leader and to be calm is the best approach. And uh, for business game changers, our consultation business, that's what I try to do with other female entrepreneurs that get to a, uh, an only and lonely position, because really once you get to the top as a female, it's difficult because the support system underneath isn't there because you're supporting downward now. So you really are at the top. So Really, I'm trying to inspire other women that are in top leadership positions that sometimes have, you know, no support underneath. So that, that's my next goal, really, is to kind of get forward with the female voice and try to stay away from some of the Me Too stuff. And you know, look, that those things really exist, and I'm not discounting that at all. I'm just saying that I have a different perspective now than I did when I was in my 20s or 30s. Yeah. And I mean, just the realization that there's only so much you can do. So you pick your battles, you choose what you're going to focus on. Uh, I, I think that's a completely reasonable approach. And like you were saying, um, you know, just the daily grind of being in those meetings uh, at, at the big table with, with a whole bunch of men and just navigating that, I imagine, I can only imagine, you know, how wearing that would be. Um and so being able to do that and then pave a way for others and other female leaders in your business and being a mentor to them, you know, that, that takes a lot of time and energy, um, and, and is going to have a lot of direct impact, um, with, with those closest to you. So I think that's uh, definitely a great approach. Well, let's, let's talk a little bit more now about, um, just the, the value of these partnerships. So you guys are both incredibly successful entrepreneurial leaders, We've talked a little bit about being um, in leadership with your partner, uh, your your spousal partner. We we've talked a little bit um, about women in leadership. How about just generally now zooming out a bit and talking about uh, how how we can build better, more meaningful, sustainable collaborations and partnerships with others around us as we're trying to grow our business and you know, leverage the existing human capital in our business with perhaps uh, human capital gaps and deficiencies, you know, by partnering with other people. 
So we, we talk about this pretty extensively in the book. And I think before you, you jump into all of the upsides of partnerships and collaborations, the first thing you have to ask yourself is, do I need a partner? Do I need, do I need a collaborator in whatever it is I'm going into? Because a lot of people we feel jump, including ourselves in the past, have jumped into partnerships based on fear of not being able to maybe do it ourselves, or not having enough finances and not having a skill set, whatever it is that you think you're lacking, you choose a partner out of fear thinking that that, that partner may fill that, that void. And I think there's a, a very large mistake that a lot of partnerships go into. And we've had failed partnerships based on that exact scenario where we took on a partner thinking that the gap was being filled and it, and it wasn't. So if you can answer that this is a necessary partnership or a mutually beneficial partnerships on all fronts first, then you have to ask yourself, what am I going to bring to add value to this partnership? Because the second thing that a lot of partners do is once they get into the partnership, they start to take their foot off the gas and let the other, the other partner um, pull most of the weight. And, and I'm not saying this happens in, in all partnerships because it certainly doesn't, but we see it quite a lot, especially when we're analyzing other business partnerships that if there's if there's a uh, a tension building in the partnership, generally it's based off of one partner not wanting to put up the work ethic or the same work drive that the other partner is doing. Um, that being said, if you can get past that minefield, and we talk about that uh, in, in uh, our partnership ch- chapter, the most important thing that we have found is adding value into whatever we're doing. And we, we go into depth on the Etnies shoe deal that we did and the Oster uh, hair clippers deal and the backpacks that we did and, and the V-cell clothing line that we, uh, we had did with Nordstrom's for quite a while and, and, the, and the various uh, property partners such as Caesars Entertainment and the Venetian Grand Canal and all these, all these different collaborations that we've been so blessed to be involved with was the first and most primary thing we attacked was how do we add value to this partnership? How do we make sure that these partners see what we're bringing to the table and are going to bring is, is more than the amount in our contract. We want to make sure that we over deliver in these partnerships and uh, I'll let Thora kind of jump in and and add to what what I'm uh, trying to say. So Jonathan, this is a prime example of adding value. So as a partner, he just deferred to me to add value to his initial statement. So we're very well trained with this because we've been doing it for two and a half decades. However, sometimes I feel, especially in today's technologically driven environment in business, it's start this website, get these followers. You can be a YouTuber. You can make millions of dollars. And I truly believe that the human part of the contribution to business success is getting forgotten a bit, that it takes a human, it takes emotions, although you're not supposed to have emotions in a business deal, you know, take the emotion out of real estate. I call horse shit on that because you're selling or buying a property, you're getting emotional, any type of deal you're negotiating, there's some sort of emotional feelings. Now, whether or not you let them sit at the boardroom table is different than you know, actually acknowledging the human side of business. And I think that once we circle back to raising each other up and empowering others in your own organization and others around you in the business world, I feel that if we can get back to the humans grassroots type business, 
uh, it will definitely help the whole environment. I think, think we're going to have a little generational gap and then I feel like it's going to flip uh, as we get older, I hope anyway. Everything's a little less robotic. But, um, but as for us, adding value to one another or adding value to a deal, we're at a place where we get to decide, do we need or want a partner? And it is a clear part of the conversation before we even get into a deal. We just took on some other partners where financial needs were not there, but we want their brains. You want to surround yourself with people that do different things, that have other successes that are nowhere near the same as yours, because together you become so powerful uh, when you have all these different ingredients in this great, you know, tasting stew. Um, but I think a lot of people's egos, you got to be ready. You, you got your, your sense of self and pride has to be able to step back and say, look, I want to partner with you because you're smarter in this category than I am. But it takes a very self-aware human being to be able to uh, be where you are is uh, what I like to say uh, to my managers. Sometimes they want to be the vice president. They want to be at the top. However, you're in the entry level position. You've got to you've got to go to the next step. And when people are in denial about where they are, they cannot focus on where they want to be. If the if the focus is just overshooting where they literally are because they want to get to the top of the ladder, you're always looking up and not looking around, going, wait a minute, I've got to build the foundation before I can get there. So that's a little bit of my added value there. Yeah. Well, thank you both. Oh, go ahead, Sean. I was going to say to her point is, um, you know, she, she talked about, you know, find out what, what it is these partners are bringing because it's, it's something that you may be lacking. It was entirely what I was trying to say earlier. And she just said it a little better than I did, um, you know, get a partner because they're bringing something to the table that you don't already have. That, that, that is a really important ingredient to a successful partnership is, is understanding their strengths versus your strengths. And if you, if you have the exact same strengths, then you may want to analyze, do I, do I actually need this partner? So that's not, yeah. you know, I, I think a lot of people miss that. Yeah. There should be some sort of a gap that you're trying to fill, extending your own capabilities. And I really like Sean, how you mentioned a minute ago, um, how we shouldn't be doing it out of fear. Uh, I've seen that too many times in organizations where they, they um, have these conversations around potential partnerships and it seems to almost be completely driven by fear, <laughs> fear that you're not able uh, to do what you want to do. And somehow this other organization or this new partnership, it's going to be the silver bullet that's going to solve all your problems. And that almost never is the case. Uh, it, partnerships are a challenge uh, to have meaningful, sustainable partnerships that are going to be mutually beneficial. And, um, you know, if you just think it's going to make less work for you or whatever, that you're, you're, you're sorely deluded. Um, and <laughs> go ahead, Dora. Two points. Well, on, um, what you said there is we, we talk extensively about fear in our book. It, we feel like it is the most powerful uh, emotion in business. Um, a lot of people would say love, and I and, and and I think that we would counter that with we've seen a lot of partnerships that they love each other, but they are so paralyzed by the fear in front of them they don't take any action and they end up withering and dying. So fear can be extremely powerful and especially paralyzing if you don't know how to recognize it and move forward in the face of that fear. So uh, fear is a very 
important thing to understand uh, in not only a partnership, but in, in your business in general, because it will cause an action, which will cause your business to fail. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Thora and Sean, it has been a real pleasure. I appreciate you taking the time to meet with me today to share your insights and your expertise, your experiences. Uh, the time has flown by. Uh, I need to be respectful of your time and, and let you go on to other things in your day. But before we close today, I wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can get connected with you, find out more about your work, your business, uh, your book, and then give us a final word on the topic for today. Go ahead, Thora. Well, Sean is much more prevalent on social media than I am, but you can definitely find us at businessgamechangers.com, clubtattoo.com. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Um, Go to Amazon, Barnes & Noble, get Brand Renegades, Tattooed Millionaire. We're hoping to inspire all young entrepreneurs, and that is not addressing age. It's addressing entrepreneurialism. We have been in business for 26 years and we're still young. We're still learning every day. So we hope that the tool that we've provided the business world through Brand Renegade's book can help others get a little confidence, get a little boost, get refreshed in life and uh, definitely see how the girls function uh, in the in the boys world, I guess. Excellent. Thank you both so much. It has been a pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out, to get connected, to find out more about what you do, check out your book. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. The Alchemy of Truly Remarkable Leadership. Ordinary, everyday actions that produce extraordinary results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years. With increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition, the average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Check out Human Capital Innovations magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free interactive e-magazine with the mission to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We publish issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Take a look at the latest issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week. 
check out our new weekly LinkedIn newsletter, Alchemizing Human Capital, exploring industry trends via original research and interviews with executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We look forward to having you join us.